Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, good morning, good morning. Go ahead, find your seats. If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Samuel, and, and Beck and I just have the absolute honor of serving you guys here at Life West. And I do mean that I haven't met you yet. I don't know why. Hang out afterwards. Make sure you say hello. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Now, this morning, we have a guest with us, and I, and I say guest because you might not know him yet, but I, we, he, he might be new to you, but he's not new to Life West at all. In fact, when... When we were starting Life West Church, we looked around at a lot of the ways and got a lot of different places to find some different structures for leadership and the way that that was set up. And one that we really loved was the idea of overseers. And what that is, is um, Beck and I, we pastor, we're the pastors of Life West, but we need to be accountable to somebody else. And, and this idea of overseers was that, yes, there's, a, there's pastors that pastor the church, but then we... So Becca and I have pastors that pastor us. And so we began to really pray about and look like, who would we want that to be? Who would we ask to really to pastor us? And then to really be the ones that if ever we start teaching something wrong, then our local people here are like, hey, you guys come in. They're crazy. Fix them. Okay? Okay? And, and so we really looked. And so we, have, we actually have three overseers. We have Shannon O'Dell. He's a pastor of Brand New Church in Arkansas. And then we have Tim Ostrom, who pastors Anchor Church in Virginia. And then we have James Sonic, who pastors New Life right here in Battle Creek. Victory. Victory Life. Victory life. So I was like, wait, wait, is that because? Okay, that, the last one is Victory Life. And we've got the three of them. And so even before we started, they've been praying for us and praying for you and praying for the church and praying for your kids and grandkids and just the impact that we would have here. So he might be new to you, but he's not new to us as a church. And he's been praying for you. And we're so excited that he's here. Would you please stand up and help me welcome James Sonic as he comes up. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. Have fun. Good morning. Are we still on morning? We are still good morning. Life West. And if we could have just a little bit of house light so I can make better eye contact. You know, uh, I just love your pastors. This is an amazing church, but I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. We're so glad you could watch. We don't want you to just watch. We want you to participate. So that's your cue if you have the ability to, to type in a comment and to say hello. But the greatest thing about the church are the people in it. So uh, what, uh, Life West, help me welcome everybody watching online. Bring them on in here. Come on! Wow. You don't want to miss next week. Next week is going to be amazing. You're going to want to be back here. Pastor Samuel is going to be preaching, and he is going to fix and correct everything that I say and do wrong today. You do not want to miss this message. It will be awesome. I'm sure it will be. So, well, uh, it, it's good to be here. I, the way we got connected is I did my internship at Resurrection Life Church uh, 20 years ago, 21, 22 years ago. I was in the corporate world. Prior to that, even, I was self-employed for about nine years. I worked as a, an account manager for a company called Granger for about nine years. And uh, ever since I was 17, I felt a call on my life 
for, for ministry, and it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was able to step into it, and uh, we were attending Resurrection Life Church. Pastor Dwayne saw the gift and uh, gave me an opportunity to come on staff as an intern. We took a 50% cut in pay, and in 18 months, he says, you got to leave this place and start your own work, so who can say no to a deal like that, right? We said, we're on. And that was 22 years ago. My wife, Eileen, who normally would be in the front row, uh, she's on a women's retreat leading women. They're coming back today uh, in a four-day retreat where she helps uh, minister to women their identity as a daughter of the king. And it's beautiful. So she would normally be here uh, today, but she says hello. And we just started the work in Battle Creek 20 years ago. We had 65 people. And in that 20 years, uh, we've seen the church grow to 2,000. Uh, we've seen 160-some people come to Christ just this year alone. So isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? Yeah. And I can boast because it's so far beyond what I could ever be capable of even coming close. I'm just blessed to be able to stand and watch it all happen. And this church, man, you guys, you got a great vibe. I'll just say vibe about you. You're my tribe already. Uh, it reminds me of Victory Life. Uh, it is the official second greatest church in the world right here. <laughs> so, okay, with all that said, uh, uh, and, and what a beautiful couple. I, we've known Rebecca and Pastor Samuel now for years, and you're very blessed. Uh, well, I tell you what, let me just open with a word of prayer and let's dig into it. I got some good stuff that I'm just excited to, to connect with you on. So, Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is, it's alive, that it, that it reads us when we surrender. And so, Lord, we just surrender our hearts, our minds to you. We give you permission to speak to us, to encourage us, to challenge us, and to draw us near. Because in your presence is fullness of joy, and that's where we want to live our life. And so we give you this time now in Jesus' name. All I got is people said, amen. All right, I had one person uh, ask me, what, what does amen mean? And uh, they didn't really go to church. And I said, you know, it's kind of like a like it on Facebook. So uh, every once in a while I'll go, can I get a like it in my church response? All right, I call this, uh, it, for those that take notes, I always like to title my notes, and if you're like that, I call it Mind Games, or I would even put a tagline, Mind Games, below it, Rethink Your Life. And if there's, there's one point that I want to impart to you it, is this, and, and the best way is to really kind of tell about it. When, when we went down to, when we left our internship in Granville, we were launched down to Battle Creek, and uh, one of the things we did is we, we built a house down there. The house, the same house we live in now, uh, I, work, I oversaw it as the general contractor. Uh, I didn't lift a hammer or a screw gun. I just simply oversaw the project as the uh, general contractor to it. And when you're all done with a building or you build something like a house or a church, for those that aren't familiar with it, there's, there's what they call a punch list. And the punch list is when the building's all done, the paint's dry, they're ready to hand you the keys, you, you kind of go through with a, with a critical eye and just notice some things that didn't get finished or need to be fixed, uh, dings in the wall that other contractors hit. And they got to go through this punch list to kind of complete the house the way it should be. Well, one of the things that was on our punch list that just got overlooked is we have this shower, we have this full bathroom, 
uh, downstairs on the main floor, right off the mudroom. The, the strategy is three boys, they're muddy, they come in through the garage, you push them through the mudroom, right into this bathroom, hose them off, they can go into the house. Well, in that shower, the lines got crossed when the plumber installed the shower head, which means it works, but when you turn it to the sea for cold, you get hot. And when you turn it to the hot, you get cold. Cold means hot, hot means cold. Now, that was 20 years ago. Today in our shower, cold means hot, hot means cold. It, it just never changed after 20 years. And, and so, uh, you know, I know this is a project. I'm not a real handyman. I can, do, I can, I can fake it till I make it, okay? So I know this is probably, for moi, this is probably an hour and a half project and four trips to Lowe's. And I could just, you know, take that off and switch it. For the guy that knows what he's doing, it's probably 30 minutes, one trip to Lowe's. But 20 years later, we know cold means hot, hot means cold. It, it works, right? It's functional. And every once in a while, we'll have a guest spend the night, and this is the bathroom they use. We forget to tell them. And we realize that when we hear a scream coming from the bathroom, we're like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell them cold means hot, hot means cold. They just got a cold blast of water. But then we chuck away, ah, oh, they'll figure it out. I say all that because there's things in our lives that the lines are crossed and we just learn to be functional with it rather than fixing it. And that, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. Is I, I want to talk, and if there was one thing, a takeaway that it would be important for you to a truth is to know that the devil plays mind games with you. That he's relentless and he never tires. It's 24-7, 365. He, he plays mind games with you. And, and, and here's it, what's important to know. And, and that is, A, you need to engage and win that game. And win that battle. If you're ever going to be all that God's called you to be. If you're ever going to live the life that God has created you to live. To be above all things and beneath none. To be the head and not the tail. If you're ever to be that. You've got to understand. One, you're in a battle for your mind. You're in a game, a mind game. And you have to learn how to win at it. And, and here's the importance that I want to kind of lay this foundation. That's very important because for so many years people didn't explain the foundation behind it. And, and it's to understand that when I look in the mirror, I, I, I see my image, but contained in that image, there are three elements in which God created me. He created my spirit, our spirit, which is eternal. He created my soul. So I'm spirit, I'm soul, and soul is, is where my emotions, my, my mind is, the hurts, the wounds, all those things reside in my soul. And then there's my body. And it's important to know that God, through his complete work of the cross, is going to redeem and restore each and every one of those elements in our lives. He's going to heal and redeem, when you give him permission, your spirit. He's going to heal and redeem the soul where the mind, the emotions, the hurts, the wounds reside. And there will be a day at the resurrection we get a new body too. What nobody explained to me for the longest time is he redeems, heals, and restores those three elements differently. That the spirit has to be healed and restored 
before the hurts, the wounds of the soul can be healed and restored. I have to trust him with my spirit before he can go to work with my hurts, my wounds, and my soul. And then there will be a day when he comes and he'll heal and restore my body. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It, it is more than just getting your name written in the book of life. And when you show up, you say, Sonic, party of one, I have a reservation. And yes, Sonic, we have your name in the book of life. Come on in. It's more than this. It says that, therefore, anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, all things are new. When I was 18, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, Jesus, come into my life and rescue me. Now, here's the thing that I think uh, is important that, that I missed and I see so many miss. When I asked Christ into my life, my spirit, according to this verse, was brand new. Instantly, spontaneously transformed into something new and all the old remnants were gone, had passed away. Behold, all things are new. My spirit in the moment was transformed for all of eternity. However, my soul, the way I think, the hurts, the wounds, were still the same. And there was going to be a lifelong process, an invitation from my father to walk with him that over the now 34 years, 35 years, there's been healing, there's been restoration, and this process, this is so important because I thought when I said I do to Jesus, everything would be fixed all in one shot. Wouldn't that be nice? Puzzam! Every hurt, every wound, every betrayal, every stronghold, every addiction, gone just like that, renewed with the Spirit. Wouldn't that have been amazing if he could just do the whole thing in the blink of an eye? And here's why I've come to learn he doesn't is because now I need him every day to begin this process of what he did instantly in my spirit to do in my soul. Now, I say all this as purely a foundation because here's what I thought. I gave my life to Christ. My spirit is new. I'm on my way to heaven, but I still struggled with depression, fear of failure, discouragement, rejection. I, I still had all those things, and I began to wonder if that even worked for me. I began to wonder if I was really truly saved because I was still dealing with stuff in my life. I began to wonder if I was rejected by God or if I didn't quite measure up good enough. And then somebody had to explain to me, my spirit is complete, but now begins the journey to restore my hurts and my wounds. And so John 10.10 says this, that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. And here's what's important is the order in which that's laid out. He comes to steal, to kill. He doesn't come to kill, steal, and destroy because before he can kill, he has to steal the word of God out of you. He has to steal the, the promises of God before he can kill and destroy the dreams and the purpose and the plan that God has in your life. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's more than a book. It, it's a living entity. It's a weapon. It's a way to heal and to transform our soul. Here, here's what... Um, Modern psychology call it, they call it cognitive theory. Cognitive theory in, in psychology science is this, that change the way you think and you'll change the way you believe and live your life. 
You, you change the way you think and your life changes. That's cognitive theory. And, and before you dismiss it as psychobabble, Paul called it renewing the mind. The only difference is, is Paul includes the Holy Spirit. However, humanity, secular humanity, they see something that works and they try to explain it without God. They call it cognitive theory and they take out the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. It's the Holy Spirit that does all the work, all the magic. And so cognitive theory, we hear this 59 times in Scripture in the New Testament. Paul talks about renewing your mind, which is nothing more than a modern-day term of cognitive theory plus the Holy Spirit is what it is. So Paul talks about the importance of renewing your mind, and this is where I come back to my opening thesis. You're in a battle for your mind. You need to be aware of that and be engaged if you're going to win and walk the life that God's called you to be. Does this make sense? All right, so let's un kind of unpack some things as we look at this. Proverbs 27.3, I want to just show you how powerful not only your mind is, but how powerful the lie of the enemy is. Because a lot of things we think is our own thinking. We think it's our own rationale. We, we find a truth based on our experience that is so true to us that the word of God doesn't seem accurate because it contradicts some to, sometimes our life experience. That's how powerful a lie is. It says in uh, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Notice truth has nothing to do with that statement. It doesn't even have to be true for it to be believable. It just simply says, however you believe in your heart, that's who you are, whether it's true or not. This is how powerful a, a, a stronghold, a, a lie in our mind can be is, is, uh, that even contradicts truth. Is I have a friend that lost his leg in a car accident. He was actually working on, he pulled off to help a stranded motorist, and he's standing, he pulled his car up in front of theirs to, to jump the battery, and he's standing between the two bumpers, and while he's there, another car hit some ice and slammed into the back of the car. And at the last minute, he jumped up, and that's the only thing that saved him. However, in his right leg, it got pinched between the cars, and from the knee down, it got amputated. And this was actually two to three years after his leg was amputated. I mean, you get to the knee, nothing. It's a stub, right? And it was the crazy thing is, is he has this thing called phantom limb syndrome. And what that is, is he goes, this is driving me nuts. He goes, my foot itches. There, there, there's nothing below the knee, but his foot itches. He goes, you think it's, you think it will drive a person crazy when you have an itch you can't, you can't satisfy? He goes, what do you do when you have an itch to a foot that doesn't even exist? But the brain is so powerful at defining a truth that isn't true. Literally, his leg is cut off from the knee down and his brain is saying, your foot itches. He was, he was driving him crazy, so he calls his doctor and his doctor says, take some Benadryl. So he medicates with Benadryl, and the itching is relieved. A couple weeks later, itchy foot. Solution, take the Benadryl, medicate, itchiness goes away. A couple weeks later, itchy foot. Take some Benadryl, goes away. Until finally, a physical therapist says, rather than medicate, rather than live 
with cross lines and become functional. Let's redefine the truth and the reality. He said, when your foot itches, get one of those green scrub pads, Brillo pads that you use for dishwashing. And he says, I want you to scrub the nub of your knee real hard because that is going to retrain your brain to realize the leg ends here, not there. Every time his foot itched, rather than Benadryl to mask the pain and get functional, you following? They said, redefine what the truth is. Get the Brillo pad, rub the nub, and retrain the brain. And he said, after three months, the itchy foot went away. Here, here's what's to illustrate. The mind is so powerful when it gets hold of a lie, it can convince you you have an itchy foot when there's no such thing as a foot. Imagine what it does to those who walk in shame and guilt and condemnation. And Paul says this, not cognitive theory, but Paul says this, you got to take every thought and rather than learn how to become functional with line switch, you need to reroute the lines in your brain to the truth of God. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so it, it's amazing these neurons and these pathways, brain scans can actually see these, these neural pathways created in our brain based on experience and stressful times in our life. In, for, in 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We, we, we've got to realize that in Ephesians it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Flesh and blood means your problem is not your spouse. Your problem is not your boss. Your problem is a spiritual problem. And Paul is affirming that again in 2 Corinthians. He goes, for though we live in this world, we, not, we do not wage war uh, as the world does. In verse 4, it says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish the strongholds. Quit taking Benadryl to relieve the symptoms and fight the battle to completely destroy the lie that is there. Don't live and come functional with cross lines in your life. Okay, well, I know hot should be hot, cold should be cold, but I know cold means hot, hot means cold. I, I'm functional. He says don't live with that. Destroy that. Don't compromise it. Don't try to work around it or get functional. You have the ability to completely destroy and to bring the truth into our hearts and to our soul. He goes on to say in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is one of those verses. I, I was one of those students, by the way, that just challenged the thought of a stupid question. You know, I, I was always, I'm not quite getting it. This was a verse that I never quite got a hold of. I, I knew what it said, but I didn't know what it meant. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, how to actually grab, how, did, how do you take a thought captive? That, that was my question. How do I take a thought captive? And this was the illustration that God showed me. It, I, there was a time Eileen and I went to Chicago. And uh, uh, when we're in Chicago, we go to the Sears Tower. It's called the Willis Tower now, but who are we kidding? It's always the Sears Tower, right? Okay. So uh, Willis Tower, where is that? Sears Tower, gotcha. Okay. 
So the Sears Tower is 108 stories. It's ranked as one of the tallest buildings in the United States. It's magnificent to, to see, to walk up to. On the top floor, 1,450 feet up, long ways up, they have, as a tourist attraction, we were watching, we saw these flyers all over Chicago. We're like, we gotta go do this, we're in Chicago. But on the top floor, they have this plexiglass box they built that they attached to the outside of the building. It is the size of kind of a small room, okay? There's no, there's no metal framing. It's all plexiglass that looks like the seams are simply glued together. Logically, I know the days of liability and lawsuits, this thing is over-engineered. You could put an elephant in it. I understand that. However, we go to this, and this thing is, I mean, it, it, it actually extends out of the building, and you pay money, and, and you go out and step out in the, the box and look around Chicago. Again, no metal frames, just the floor, the walls, the ceiling, it's all plexiglass, all clear, just glued together. So we get off the elevator, you know, I, I'm into roller coasters, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a thrill junkie, I'm looking forward to this. We get off the elevator, it's in a room about this size, and in the back is the plexiglass box that you step out in, get your selfie, and uh, we get off the elevator and there's a line, and the line's not moving. I'm like, people, come on, man. We all know we're going to take a selfie, get your phone out before you get to the box, step in the box, get your picture, get out of the box, and let somebody get in the box, you know? And, and so we're sitting back there, the line's not moving, and then finally it moves up, and you, it's just taking forever to get to the box. And I'm, go, go. We get up to the box, and I, under, I understand what the problem is. Because you get up to the box, because you're in a room like this. It's no big deal. Let's, let's go. You get up, and right there is the edge of the building. You literally step on to clear, and you're out. I mean, you, go, you can see the outside of the building. You're completely outside the skyscraper, 108 stories up. I now begin to realize why we're moving slow at this point. This one makes sense. Knowing there's a whole line of James Sonics behind me going, buddy, let's go, right? I'm, I'm there, and we're laughing, we're giggling. And, and literally, I mean, where the edge of the stage is, you're looking outside 1,400 feet. My mind is going, I know that should hold me. But literally, I could not force my foot to do that. I couldn't. I'm just laughing. My wife's laughing. We're looking at each other going, we got to make this step. This step is crazy. Logically, it should hold us, but there's just something there that there's this fear that keeps us from going forward. And we're laughing. We're, we're just holding on to each other. And then finally, the lady that had just gotten out of the box said to me, the only way you'll get your mind to do this, she goes, it helps. Rather than looking 1,400 feet down, it helps if you turn around backwards, face the wall of the room you're in, and step backwards. She goes, it's the only way you'll, you'll get, you'll override your mind and grab hold of what the logical says you should be able to do. And sure enough, when we were here, there was a truth we couldn't overcome. But when we turned around and we fixed our eyes on something that was solid, something that was stable, something that was true, we were able to take our step 
backward or forward. When we fix our eyes on what is true, when we fix our eyes on something that is stable, we can take any lie captive and move in the direction God has called us. Amen? Can I get a like it? This is how powerful the Word of God is in fixing our thoughts. And I say that maybe you're a single parent and you don't feel adequate. Maybe you're married with a family and you compare your life story to the stories that everybody has on Instagram and you go, I I just don't compare. I I can't compete. Everybody has it together and I don't. There's the lie the enemy wants to keep you that you're, you're not where everybody else is, but here's the truth of God's word in 2 Colossians. I am complete in Christ. If you're a single parent, guess what? You're complete in Christ. That's the truth. That's what God wants you to grab a hold of. Dr. Caroline Leaf, in her book, Switch on the Brain, said medically, it has been found that 12 minutes daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it could be measured by a brain scan. They can snap a picture of your brain in a brain scan. Somebody can commit to prayer over eight weeks. They can snap the picture of the brain and see new neural pathways created. That's the power of God's word. This isn't a name it and claim it, say it and spray it, blab it and grab it theology. This is the word of God that brings healing to rejection, to hurts, to wounds, to addictions. He restores my soul. He sets the captives free. And only he can heal the broken heart. And it's the word of God that he lives and he dwells in. Amen. I want to, I'll end with this thought. You can't have a positive life when you dwell on negative thoughts. You will never step out into the box focused on fear but you will always be able to when you focus on what is true and what is solid. Let's pray. I I, I tell Victory Life Church this every week. God's not mad at you. And he's not disappointed in you. certainly has not given up on you and he never will and he'll stop at nothing and do whatever it takes to not only renew your spirit when you give your life to him but wants to walk with you your entire life to heal your soul your hurt your wound your heart to make you whole again but he can't he, he can't he can't he, he can't heal your past until you trust him with your spirit it begins with the spirit And there's one question every heart needs to have answered first and foremost, and that is, is my heart right with God? And you might be saying, well, I try to be a good person. I try to do the right thing. Listen, trying harder to be good doesn't make you right with God. You might even say, I grew up in the church. Just 
being there doesn't make you right with God. But the Bible says this in Romans, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What a beautiful promise that is, because what this verse means is there's got to be a defining moment in our lives where we didn't just believe in God or try harder to be good, but there's got to be a defining moment we can come back to, we can always reference a moment when we surrendered, a moment when we said, Jesus, come into my life and rescue me. And if you don't have a defining moment like that, this is your moment right now, and it's going to last a lifetime. And so I'm going to pray on the count of three. And if you're here or if you're watching and you're saying, I don't know if my heart's right with God, but today I want to know. Include me in that prayer. On the count of three, I'm just going to, if you're in the room, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand to just say, include me in that prayer. I, I want to know today. And I'm not sure. Or I'm far from God. Include me in that prayer. Don't miss this opportunity to be included. One, two, right now, three, just raise your hand. Lift it up. I don't know if my heart's right with God. And today I want to know for sure. Include me in that prayer. Awesome. Awesome. Roman 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. It says you will be saved. What a beautiful promise. And that's what we're going to do right now. So if you're watching online, I literally want you to pray this prayer out loud. If, if, if you're here, I'm going to ask you to pray it out. Pray this prayer with me out loud. And church, if you just pray along for encouragement too, and just pray, oh, heavenly father, I come to you in Jesus name. I believe you died on the cross, that you rose again, and you're seated on the throne. Jesus, forgive me for all that I've done wrong, and I choose to forgive all others. Come into my life, today and forever. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.